Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This is about progress. You are listening to episode 275, How to Find Magic in Your Mess with Corey Connors. At the beginning of the month, I told you something very exciting. We are now going to have regular full interviews with quote unquote regular listeners from our community. And when I say regular, I am not downplaying who they are. What I'm trying to emphasize is that these are the people that are your neighbors, that are your friends, that are in your community, but maybe they don't necessarily have a business to promote or something to sell, but they have something to share with the community. From the beginning of About Progress, I have tried to create space for our regular listeners to share their own progress stories. Now, Corey Connors was one of those guests for me. She is an incredible woman. She is a songwriter, a writer, a singer, but you don't know her from a national stage. Corey is well-known and beloved in our own community, but not much past it, and she should be. But here's here's why I'm sharing this episode with you, because Corey shares today her own progress story, how she got in the muck and the mess of trying to figure out who she was as a creative, as a woman, as a mother. One of my personal favorite takeaways from this interview is how Corey shares that mess has to be a part of this process of uncovering that sense of identity inside of ourselves and the gifts and the talents and the skills and the ambitions and the dreams that come a part of that. She has lived this. She has exemplified it. 
Corey is one of my childhood turned adult heroes. She is someone I've always looked up to because of how she has been different and fully herself in ways that I didn't fully recognize as a child that I was connecting to and longing to have more of in my life, especially when for much of my childhood, I feel like I was that person who was so scared of the mess. Listen from Corey, how you can not only embrace the mess that you are, but find magic in it. And as you do that and discover more of who you are, you're able to offer it to people in ways that are both beautiful and vulnerable and validating, ways that they might be needing too. If you're not quite sure who you are in this moment, if you're not quite sure of your own gifts, this episode is for you. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packard, and I don't want you to just listen to this show. I want it to change you. This community of progressors empowers women to take on radical growth via sustainable changes. Are you motivated and ready to grow in your identity, purpose, and productivity? You can when you remember that life is about progress, not perfection. It's been such a rewarding month for me to look back on older podcast episodes since we are airing only encores this month and to look back on how far we've come as a community, but also to see the seeds of who we always were meant to be, even in these interviews. Um, So today I hope that as you listen to Corey, that you feel empowered to own your own progress story and that you feel empowered to also share it with us. So again, this month, I would love for you to apply to be a guest on my show. Now, it's a stringent uh, process still because every guest I have on the show, whether they have something to promote or not, are going to be especially chosen as a good match for this community. I want you to take courage and try yourself. Okay, go to aboutprogress.com slash be on the show. You can take a look at the themes for the rest of the year and say, oh, I have something to share about that. There's a lot I could add to that table. And you come up with some some uh, progress pointers for the community and you share your own progress story as part of it so that we can learn from you. Again, go to aboutprogress.com slash be on the show. And the best way for you to keep in touch with me this month and always is by following me on Instagram at about progress. But right now I'm silent there. So the second best thing is to make sure you are on my go-getter newsletter. Every single week, I send a, we got this email and I share a little bit more about what's going on in my personal life than I really do anywhere else. And some connection to what I've been learning from the podcast and from the community and outside of it too. You can get on that list by going to aboutprogress.com slash go-getter. Again, that's aboutprogress.com slash go-getter. Before I turn over to the interview, I just a few points for you. First, Corey was sick while we recorded this, so her voice is a little different than normal. I just want to make sure that's clear. Um, second, she so kindly allowed us to use her music. Now, this episode is longer than you are typical or that you're typically exposed to in the podcast lately. I've shortened my episodes over the last two years, um, but in the beginning, the first two years, they were longer in nature, and I usually cut those down for encores, and I still cut some things out of this, but. I just couldn't. I couldn't cut these things out, especially because I was able to, with permission, embed Corey's music in little parts of it. So that's there and was done with permission. And finally, I would so encourage you to reach out to Corey, get to know her by her music, go to Spotify, go to iTunes, go to her website, which we will have linked for you to get into her music a little bit better. As I said, she is a local artist and I'm sure she would love to have your support there. I am Corey Connors, and I am actually a pretty 
semi-normal average person. And I'm really happy being part of a family. I'm happy to be part of a a diverse community um, that I select and a community that I'm kind of thrown into by fate. And I'm really happy with my family as as a um, kind of some of the less uh, permanent and therefore less important personal curiosities. Um, I am a a singer-songwriter. I'm a platinum-selling songwriter. And um, I've recorded 10 albums. And I I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how much detail you want. I've. I've had some success as a songwriter <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know, perform a bit and just really happy with it. I'm kind of where I am happy um, doing what I'm doing. There was a point where I wanted to be able to do more, and now I'm seeing the great wisdom in not having done more. So oh, that's kind of where I am and who I am. Okay, well, I, yeah, I want to dive into I'm old. that. It's, no, you're not. You're the same age as when you moved into our neighborhood. Oh, good. That's how I see you. But what about your age now? (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, Which is really crazy to think about. Um, So your music has, you know, been this underlying thread of my life. It's always been there. It's always been a part of it. And it's weaving itself into my own family's life right now. We listen to your music all the time. And anytime... um, my two-month-old cries. My four-year-old shouts from the back. Put on "Sweet Little Lamb." He calls your "Blowing oh, Kisses" album, yeah, really? and he's oh right. It works every time we put it on. He stops crying. Oh, um, oh that means the world to me. That's it's my goal. Such a beautiful I, my goal album. is that people will know the first two songs on the album, and then yeah. they don't know anymore because they're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're all they're all seeking in the back seat is what's happening in our house when our family. So, Aww, you know, Corey, sweet. I I want to hear about how you came to yourself here, how how you came to know yourself as this creative person, as an artist, as a singer songwriter, and also a writer. You know, not just song writing. Um, so can we start back a little bit earlier in your life? I want to know if that's something you could always sense in yourself that you were this creative soul or was that something that you grew into more with time? You know, I, I really think uh, whether it's, you know, the whisperings of the internal spirit or whether it was my, you know, my mother who was my creative nurturer Mm. or my sisters who were my creative cohorts. I just always have felt like, I was uh, I was destined to create whether it was you know making little buttons out of stickers and Elmer's glue uh, in the, the the lid of a you know a canning jar or whether it was making a computer out of cardboard boxes or writing a story or you know once I I finally got a ukulele when I was twelve and and writing my first little song, you know, it, it just, it kind of all flowed naturally to me because, um, probably because I was never told I couldn't. Hmm. And I, you know, I kind of wonder if any of us were never told we couldn't, if we wouldn't all just be more creative. Well, you said your mom nurtured it in you. How did she do that? Uh, well, 
You know, thinking back on it, it's interesting. My sister and I were talking the other day, my, my sister Sherry, who's the oldest in my family, and I am number six out of seven. Mm. And Sherry was saying, you know, we had different mothers. And I, I was really pondering that, and I thought, you know, we really kind of did. When my mom had her first child, she was, uh, you know, she was a teenager, really, and her mm-hmm. husband had gone off the war. He, she, she had a, a, a different sense of self as a woman when mm-hmm. she had my oldest sister. Then by the time she had, at the very end, I mean, I don't want to, you know, belabor this and make her long, long life story here, but. No. She married twice and and had three kids by the first husband, four kids by my father. And the the four of us, the last four, were just born, you know, bam, 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 right, one mm-hmm. after the other. And my, I have two sisters that straddle me. And Anne-Marie is 18 months older and Libby mm-hmm. is 15 months younger. Wow. So we were, um, I imagine that the mother we had was just plain exhausted Mm -hmm. and you know to to add to that she was trying to uh, hang on to a uh, a broken marriage Mm -hmm. and uh, and it ended up not uh, being saved and my father left by the time I was a teenager um, for good I never saw him again and Mm -hmm. and so my mom had like big things to worry about Mm -hmm. when we were little so I think she kind of got out of the way and mm-hmm. uh, and yet, I never felt neglected. I just mm-hmm. felt freed, and that's a term. That, that's a term we. That's a term all mothers should learn to incorporate in their sense of self. You know, I am not neglecting my children. I am freeing my children to, you know, to discover their world. And it may make a mess. And if you always add that caveat, mm-hmm. then you won't be so mad at the kids in the end after they've used their creativity. Um, and yeah, it's always better if you can teach your kids to clean up after their mess. But I <laughs> never was good at that. I'm still not good at that. And if that had been beaten into me as a child, I think I would have squelched the creative because it's just easier not to deal with and so I, you know, I guess I would forewarn any young mother out there to be very cautious about yelling at your kids to clean up their mess because, yeah, it's a good and healthy thing to do, but you will squelch their creativity. But when we put really tight parameters around a kid as they're trying to be creative, it's parameters like spelling, parameters like is your handwriting tidy enough? Um, parameters like did you did you did your drawing stay on the page or did you go off the page? You know, did you smear that paint? Oh, start again. You know, mm-hmm. that um, that is really limiting to a, a, a child's sense of self as they're creating. Creating, I you know, I'm not a child psychologist, so I'm I'm probably just no, you know, you're saying stuff. all sorts of wrong things here, but but I really have this feeling like if we want. If we want to nurture creativity, we have got to make the environment emotionally safe, which means there's going to be a mess. But that, you know, there are all sorts of creativity, not just artistic creativity. 
there's intellectual creativity and there's emotional creativity and there's there's all sorts of ways for us to make a nice big mess and come out with something glorious in the end. And it, like I said, it usually involves a mess. <laughs> so I'm really good yes, at messes. Yes, it, it does. Wow, there's so much to say there. I love that, you know, you said your mom freed you. And I, 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 know your, I knew your mother. She was... Yeah. Oh, she was just amazing. And... I saw well, but the, another another. Oh, sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna say I Go saw the the bond that she had with her children, and it is so inspiring mm-hmm. to me now to know more about what she was struggling with as a young mom and how she still made it on the other right. side, having such strong relationships and bonds with her children. And I think, like you yeah. said, just because she freed you to be who you are. And she loved you and yeah. she gave you that emotional stability instead of taking what she was going through out on you guys. Right. Um, exactly. Another thing she did that was kind of life changing for me. And I learned to do this with my own kids just because I, I knew what it had done for me. And this involves writing. She uh, would take the things I had written, little poems or little essays from the time I was quite small um, and she would read them in a, in her most beautiful, noble mm-hmm. reading voice. Yes. <laughs> Not over-reading, but she would pick up the piece of paper that I had written on and try to read my handwriting, mm-hmm. and then she would speak it with her beautiful, poetic resonance. Mm-hmm. And by listening to my mother read with such respect the things I had written, I thought I was a writer from the time I was very little. Uh, oh, I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, and I've learned to do that with my kids. You, you know, you talked about going through some tough times as a child and your family going through some tough times. Yeah. How did your own creativity get you through that time? Um, well, first of all, my, um, my instrument was therapeutic. I play guitar, and that guitar vibrates and resonates against your chest. And um, and feeling that vibration, I, I think there was a real physical thing that happened in, hmm. in that particular instrument being my instrument. And I don't know how it would be with anything else. It may be that if I was playing a flute, like, didn't you play the flute? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I played flute like you, I would imagine that the, 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 the repetition and the regulation of airflow would be therapeutic. Yeah, definitely. If I played piano, I would imagine that, that the vibration of that large instrument around me and the, the pattern of my hand um, up and down on the keys would be therapeutic. So I think the actual playing of an instrument was therapeutic for me. Just looking back on it, I wasn't necessarily analyzing it at mm-hmm. the moment like that. But writing was um, was really therapeutic to me. My mother, you know, we really had a, a, a wonderful mother, um, especially when I think about the fact that she lost her mother at a young age. Mm-hmm. And um, so she didn't really have someone training her 
how to do this. She just followed her gut and was good at it. We laid our clothes at the foot of our bed. She kissed us goodnight on the top of our heads. When the sunlight came, we'd empty the house and she'd lock it. She tied a solid brick to the luggage rack. No one packed like my mom could pack. Then she loaded us into that big blue Pontiac rocket. Flying down the road at the speed of light. She aimed that rocket to the heart of a western night. In the days before the cops could even clock it. Yes, yeah, she shot straight through. Yet yeah, her aim was. Flying in our great big blue rocket. But she gave us, uh, all of us kids, when I was a teenager, young teenager, a little, tiny little notebook, like three inches by three inches, and these little miniature pens that were really cool at the time. This was like in the 70s. And she gave them to each of us one night and she said, if you wake up and you're troubled by something or you're inspired by something, you have my permission to turn on your lamp and write in your book. Oh. And there were many poems, little poems written in that book hmm. by me. Number one, we kind of had a rule that the lights, when the lights were out, the lights were out. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she gave us permission <laughs> turn on the lights. Was yeah. like cool, and so I wanted to be to have something to say. Mm-hmm. So waking up and being able to write, and um, you know, of course, when you're the the you know the time between sleep and full waking state is a magical little area for anyone that's creative, uh, especially in creative writing and music and, and other things as well. So, but my mom would do that, and she let us wake in the middle of the night and write uh, creatively. And it was healthy for all of us. All of my, all of my family are good writers. They're all good thinkers. Mm-hmm. If you say to somebody you're a good writer, what you're basically saying to them is you're a good thinker. Yes. And who doesn't want to be called a good thinker? Right. Especially kids. Yeah. They they soak that up. So there's so many things I, I want to ask about um, just based on what you said. Let's let's talk about how you have advanced in your creativity. It's something that I still see you working on. You talked about having this group that you work on your writing together. And it, didn't, it wasn't until I was an adult and saw you um, writing on your blog as like an accountability, like your uh, writing exercises that you were doing or post you were writing that I yeah. realized oh this gift she has she has to work at it and yeah. I, I want to know where that came into play because I know that you saw this gift in you at a young age but it could have easily been something that was only for your youth you know if you hadn't been right. cultivating it right. so how did well, you many, do for that? many of us we do that mm-hmm. um well first of all uh I'm just slightly insane. And if we would all just accept that we're slightly insane, then we're going to do all sorts of marvelous things. Yes. Okay. You know, what do you mean? If, if, you, if we, 
Well, I mean... Is this like the messy part, you mean? It's just messy. It's probably, yeah, it's part of the messy part. And also being, allowing yourself to be weird. Okay. And, you know, you know our neighborhood. And, uh, you know, you grew up at where my children grew up in this very beautiful white bread, Mm -hmm. um, you know, wonder bread kind of neighborhood where the people are so good and so amazing and if you started comparing yourself you might get in trouble <laughs> yeah and i remember thinking at one point and i here i am in this this neighborhood of beautiful beautiful women in fact and i am not a physically beautiful woman in in the sense of society i don't mean to discredit the the things god gave me and mm. how you know what good things I may have done with what I actually was given, but I'm overweight. I don't wear makeup. My, my, you know, people have to walk through my yard because it, it combines two neighborhoods and they have to go past my messy garage. (laughs) Yeah. Because we put a gate there because if we we didn't put a gate there, there was no way to get from that neighborhood to this neighborhood. So we put a gate there, which means people have to go past my garage. Well, you know my garage. Oh, my gosh. I love it's, going to your I, home. I, I just wrote a, a little poem song about my garage. You know, it's a wonderland of treasures. It's just yeah. a lot of stuff. And we can fit cars around the periphery that's gathered. But there's really groovy stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And um, if I were to say to myself, I cannot open my garage door and I cannot have people walk by to see a mess of me, then no one would walk by and I would know nobody. And so there came a point where it like, I was so much of a weirdo in my own eyes that I thought, I, you know what, this is what it is. And if I want to have a relationship with people, I've got to show them who I am because I can't fake it that long. Mm-hmm. It takes so much energy to fake it. Mm-hmm. And we waste so much energy faking who we are. And when I finally let go of trying to hide who I am and I actually left the garage door up, we bought a a sign at Costco that says open, you know, that we can light up. And we we buy pop, (laughs) soda pop, and we line it up underneath this sign and we have a little fridge there and we have an ice machine. And I have a set of rules, which is called Dave's Pop Shop, <laughs> after my husband, Dave. And, um, and they can, if the signs, if the open sign is on, every kid in the neighborhood or adult is welcome to come in and get a pop. And there's cups and there's ice and there's straws. They can choose what they want, but they only get one a day because they don't want to be like yeah. making our whole neighborhood sugar freaks, you know. <laughs> And some parents don't love it that I have it, but hey, it's not open all the time. But it says to the neighborhood, "Come into my mess." I'm okay if you if you'll accept it, I'll accept it. And the interesting thing is, when someone is headed for that can of soda, they don't really care what's on either side of it. Mm. They just see that you are offering them this sweet thing, and they say thank you, and they go out and they think you're just the living end. I mean, that's a that's a treasure that we get to do that. I kind of feel that way about, about myself 
And I wish that everybody else would feel that way so that I can come into their space. And, you know, if they say, come in and get this sweet little thing from me, and please, please excuse my mess. I'm not saying ignore my mess. I'm just saying excuse it. Mm-hmm. And, and and take what I have to give you. Inevitably, I'm going to come in. I'm going to take what they have to give me. I may actually even be curious and interested in the mess around them and think that's super cool. But, you know, there's curious things. If you will let somebody come in, even yourself come in and see mm. the depths of where the treasure lies, then um, it just enhances everybody's life. And then people go on their merry way and they walk up the street and they're carrying their can of pop and they think, gosh, that was nice. Or maybe they don't even think that. They just kind of expect it, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I don't think they're analyzing, man, the Connors are really messy people. Mm-mm. And honestly, if they are, hopefully they'll outgrow it. Yeah. You know, I can forgive them for that. I'm not going to judge them for that. That's just, a, you know, something they've got to outgrow. I like how you but in that. general, people are going to be really forgiving and, mm-hmm. and embracing about what we have to offer. And they'll just forgive the rest. So I say I'm supposed to be a missionary for overweightness. In this neighborhood, I'm a missionary for a mess in this neighborhood, and I feel loved and accepted in this neighborhood. And so I'm grateful so. that I live right here, even though mm-hmm. if I if I let myself, I could really be buried in the, wow, I don't stack up kind that of mentality. That takes so much courage to do. That's what I admire so much you know, about it you, does. is your courage, though. There's so much courage to well, what but, you do every day, but who you are and how you own yourself and your gifts, and that takes so much courage. Well, one, I'll kind of analyze that a bit, too, because I thought, why, why is it easier for me to do that than it might be for someone else? Mm-hmm. And it's it's a probably a sad commentary on us as human beings is I feel... Like because of my um, music career, that I have been given a, a, a real wide swath of leeway, where people say, "Oh, she's a creative writer, mm. so that's fine. We're going to just let this go because that must be how they work." And see, not everybody, not everybody has that, um, pre- you know, mm-hmm. like presence, stage presence that gives them the automatic, you know, implied respect from other people. Mm-hmm. They don't have to that where permission. People say, okay, you know, I mean, I will, permission. People will say to me, you know, you do whatever you need to do to make you write what you write because we like what you write. Well, we really should all be saying that to each other, even if the stuff that's coming out of someone is not the quality that we admire. Mm-hmm. Because we're all in progress, as a friend of mine has a podcast about. You know, it's <laughs> I all thought you were talking progress. about someone else for a second. No! Like, oh, you. tell me about her. Um. <laughs> oh, she's the most amazing girl. Oh my gosh, let me tell you about this girl. And you know what, Corey? This woman that is phenomenal. 
You know what? I didn't, I just didn't make that connection though, that so much of what you do and, and what makes up who you are is this boldness and the messiness of like accepting your mess and, and pushing away this idea of perfection. Cause otherwise you, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Otherwise you would have been behind bars in a sense. I would You know, interestingly, if I think back, I, see, I kind of look at my life in phases by the houses I lived in. Mm-hmm. And so when I was your age, I was living over in the other neighborhood and, and I was PTA president and I was trying to prove myself to myself and others as, you know, a highly capable person. Part of it was me trying to prove I was worthy, even though I was, you know, so overweight has a lot to do with the whole body issue thing. It's so dumb. Looking back on it. Yeah. It's dumb, but I actually, I think of it as a blessing. Isn't that weird? Actually, as a blurse. Most of life is full of blurses. It's a a mixture of blessing Uh and curse. I love that. And it's a blurse. It's, you know, it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's physically uncomfortable. It's emotionally very uncomfortable. It's socially uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. In so many ways, you know, being overweight or having any other kind of deformity is just uncomfortable and boy do we beat ourselves up over it and I think I at some point decided you know if I if I make myself notable in ways that don't involve the necessity of looking good Mm -hmm. then um then I'll feel okay about myself so I think that was my motivation my personal motivation. Mm-hmm. And so when I look back on it, I say to myself, thank you, Lord, for helping me be heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so silly. No. But it's the truth. I think if I had not had that burden that that drove me to try to become more excellent in other areas, then I might not have become more more excellent. And so I am grateful for that blurse Mm -hmm. in my life in a weird sort of way. I wish I had not had to be. I wish I had had a body that was just perfectly acceptable. I don't need to be wonderful. I just want to be acceptable Mm -hmm. um, socially and then then still have that motivation. But I think because I had that, I wanted to prove myself otherwise. One of those was through music, mm-hmm. through writing, um, through performing, which I think is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I look at old pictures of me performing, and I'm just astounded anyone would come because I'm kind of turned off oh, <laughs> by goodness. it. And yet people would listen, and I had to give people more credit than I ever gave them, you know, because... Mm-hmm. They can see beyond things. People see beyond what we think they will never see beyond. And like I said before, we need to give people more credit than we do. Definitely. That they can see more broadly than we expect they can. And and I think you're right. I was being, and I tend to still be critical of myself in ways that really don't matter very mm-hmm. much. 
Well, we all do. So you're not alone. It's actually nice to hear that someone as amazing yeah. as yourself can can still struggle with that. And it, I think it inspires yeah. us to still try. You know, a lot of what you said is reminding me of the struggles I often hear of my listeners. A lot of them have said, well, the people you have on are so extraordinary or they just are so amazing. I'm not mm. that way. Or they say they don't know how to find their gifts or what they're supposed yeah. to work on. I want to know how you would advise people to find what their creativity is and their and their gifts are and what that looks like. And I think a lot of it, what you're going to say is, is letting go, right, of the fear. Like you said, the fear of the well, mess. Yes. So tell me what you would say. Well, absolutely let go of the fear of the mess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think, you know, the, my first gut reaction when you asked that question was um, seek direction from your higher power, mm-hmm. uh, which to me is God. Um, but whatever your higher power is, First, the very first thing we do is ask, could you help me find this? Mm-hmm. And if we repeatedly ask and then be still, which to me means it doesn't mean like just sit there and mm-hmm. wait for an answer, but it means let go of it. So part of the way I interpret the Lord saying be still is ask ponder for a moment, and then walk away. Mm-hmm. And then, to me, inspiration hits us, you know, when we're doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. Or it will hit you when you're nursing your baby. Or um, or picking up the toys at the end of the day if you're not mad at the kids. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're mad at the kids, you're going to push away inspiration so, or creative juice. You know? yeah. So you got to get your anger out of the way first. And then say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to pick up the mess. Okay, well, let's just pretend the kids were being creative, and now we're going to pick up the mess. <laughs> okay. And and our inspiration hits us at the weirdest times. I did learn, this was my mother coming back to me and saying, turn the light on and write it down and then go back to sleep. If you have an inspiration, you turn the light on and you write it down, and then you go back to sleep. I I love having my smartphone because... It has so many chunks of songs in it. I will push on the, um, you know, the record button, and I will record a little musical riff or a little phrase, and I just have, you know, chunk after chunk after chunk in my phone, mm-hmm. or I will write down in my notes a lyrical line, a phrase, a quote that someone says at a certain time, and I preserve it in my phone. So this is, you know, this is my um, my file. Yeah. My writer's file is my phone these days. It used to be an envelope, a napkin, a, a piece of kids' homework, a, mm-hmm. you know, whatever was laying around. I have learned to write it down. That's good. Now, so if you're trying to find your creativity, if you're, if you're saying, Lord, I feel like the most average person in the world. I, I mean, how do how can I feel less average and if you just repeatedly say lord please help me find something that is mine that i'm good at 
and we repeatedly say that, it's really interesting. I, I believe there will be little things that come up to you like, man, you know, I'm really curious about, um, about leather work. And I, you know, my friend has this little binky holder for his kids, her, her child's binky. Mm-hmm. And it's this piece of leather that's braided, yeah. but it's braided. So it's not like cut at the ends. Hmm. And it's hard for me to explain, but it's a piece of leather and the braid is within itself. I'm like, how do they do that? So of course I pull up Google and I try to write down enough words that will get me to someone that knows how to do that. And I find it like super cool. I want to try that. I need a piece of leather and I'm going to do that. And just, and I haven't done it yet, but the idea that I am going to get myself a piece of leather, I am going to go to Sabres and buy an old soft leather purse for a dollar 50 and I'm going to cut it up and make a piece of leather that length, and I'm going to try that. Well, just the notion of doing that one little thing I have never done before stirs something in me that is just magical. Hmm. It makes me want to actually exist. Yeah. You know, doing the dishes, and, oh, boy, I remember having little kids and just constantly, constantly beating beating heart of motherhood that does not let up mm-hmm. that can wear it's totally wear you down if there was amid all of that this little idea that man when the kids go down i am going to have this little piece of leather and i'm going to braid it is it's like the steam valve on a teapot it's going to release that for me so while while, you know, so I prayed to the Lord, help me find this creative person. And what he said to me is go buy a piece of leather. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. um, he's not necessarily saying you are going to be a master binky, binky leather thing maker. Yes. I think what he's saying to me is I want to remind you that I made you as a creative soul and you yearn for that. And I'm going to help you find it. And it might be that for now, you're just going to be able to remind yourself that you're a creator because you're going to make these little dinky things until you've made one for you and one for your girlfriend and and maybe one for a baby shower. And then you move on to something else. But the fact that we have a creative release, it does not have to be a major gift. You don't have to get up on a stage and perform. You don't have to show your art in a gallery. Or you don't need to publish your work. Or you don't even need to have a podcast. You know, just a little creative something to get you through. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is your kids grow up. And if you have been allowing yourself to be a creator in all diverse ways, while they're growing up, when they are finally gone and you're staring in the mirror and saying, okay, now what? You say, oh, wow, I'm going to make one of those pinky things again. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to figure out how to do this thing now because I have been all along on some level a creative. And I just think, I think our sanity 
our sanity resides in our creative expression. And for, for mother, for young mothers, and, and for young professionals who may not even be mothering, but they're just in a world that has repetition and repetition over and over again, that, that release is essential in keeping us um, pliable, flexible, so that when we needed to be formed, we need to be formed into something else, and we have to redefine ourselves in our empty nest, in the job that's brand new to us because we lost our old one, in whatever life hands to us as a new situation. We can re- we can redefine ourselves and not be completely shattered because we remain pliable, like mm-hmm. clay that's warm. If you have clay that's cold because it hasn't been worked. It's really hard. You've got to just massage it and massage it until it's warm enough to be molded. And I just think of our creative selves as something that we just need to keep massaging. Since we've come this far, take a look around. It's a beautiful road. We have been walking down And all that good Born of yesterday Has gathered here today Who can tell About tomorrow It could all be swept away Oh, I will keep you here I will keep you here Memoria When the moon rose up And turned the blanket down Stars came shining round There we stood Our neck stretched heavenward As the dreams came out to play One chose you And one has chosen me And they carry us away But I will keep your days, your own quiet personal moments in your own tiny little spaces where you can can put little reminders to yourself of who you want to be and who you are deep down in because I really think that who we want to be if we're being truthful and honor honor the core of ourselves, who we want to be is actually who we are. We just haven't rediscovered it yet. Hmm. 
So, oh. so you know, the person you aim to be, Monica, is is a person that that already is, and something in you knows it. And so you keep going back to that vision of yourself because it's your truth. It's your internal truth. And you know it's there. You just don't know how to get there. So you can use your higher power to help you remember how to get there. That's why I say, if you want to figure out who you are creatively, ask your higher power to help you find that. And I don't know that you're going to get it in a quick little answer, but you'll get it in little snips of, I think I'll do this right now. And those tiny little repeated strips, snips of, uh, of personal revelation that we don't even think of as personal revelation, they're just ideas. They lead us, they lead us to that thing we want to become, that person we want to become that actually is who we are or who we were before we were sent back to our naked states of mm-hmm. rawness, which is what earth life is. I think. I don't know. What do this I know? This is magical. No, it really is awesome. <laughs> um, wow, Corey. Oh. I want to make sure I hit on this part of what you said at the very beginning when you introduced yourself. You said at one point in your life you had wanted to be more and you are grateful yeah. now that Perhaps it wasn't the way you had more. envisioned. Tell, tell me about yeah. what you had wanted, what got in the way, and why yeah. you're grateful for that. Because I think a lot of people yeah. might relate to that feeling. Well, I think you're right. And, um, and by the way, thank you for asking that because it makes me think about it. Mm-hmm. And the thinking about it makes me really grateful for where I am. Mm-hmm. I, there was a time when I was, in my 20s, and I was, I had decided I really wanted to focus on my songwriting. I had written poetry before, and I, you know, when I was a kid, I had won the New Era Poetry Contest, which is a a magazine, you know, a worldwide magazine, and I had considered myself this poet, and then Mm -hmm. I took a class at college (coughs) where the teacher a poetry class where the teacher was not a real fan of my poetry. And Mm. so I got a lot of self-doubt sprung from that. Mm. I actually, you know, going back to my mom, she, I I called her, uh, she was back in Pittsburgh. I'm from Pennsylvania. And, and I was at BYU in Utah and I had called her and said, you know, I just, I am not, I am not what I thought I was. I am not good at writing. And she said, okay, well, what's causing this? Yeah. And I said, you know, I just, my teacher, who I really respect, um, you know, I'm getting C's in poetry writing. I'm no not way. getting what I have to say. And, and she said, well, you know, she said, number one, do you like his poetry? And, um, I said, well, actually, frankly, no. And he said, okay, number one, consider the source. Mm-hmm. And uh, number two, um, do you need the grade? And I said, yeah, I, you know, I don't want it to ruin my GPA. She said, then give him what he wants. 
My mom said that said, to me many times. Give him what he wants. Yeah. And then and chew it up, swallow what you need to keep, and spit the rest out. <laughs> and that has been such good advice to me in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Chew it up, swallow what you need to keep, and spit the rest out. Well, mm-hmm. swallow what you want to keep because sometimes yeah. we don't know what we need to keep, but we know what we want. And yes. so um, that was really good advice from her. And so then I decided I, I could play guitar a little. And I was, I don't know, I decided to start writing songs. I joined the Utah Songwriters Association, which is now defunct. But, um, and I became really involved in that. And um, it started writing songs. And then I became their, their director of workshops and um, um, seminars and I would bring publishers in and writers in from all over the country uh, who were quite renowned and and my objective was to learn from them interestingly a lot of songwriters objective was just to get heard <laughs> now if you'll keep in the back of your head always there is something I can learn there is something I can learn then you'll learn yeah. If you go in and say, I just need to be heard, you will not learn. So anyway, I, I you know, kind of developed in my songwriting because I wanted to learn. Got a, a song published from one of these publishers we brought in. And then um, he had, and then Linda Ronstadt picked up the song. Bette Midler also picked up the song. A number of artists had the song on hold, let go of the hold, and another artist took it. So I had some kind of good success early on. Yeah. And I thought of myself, like my mom reading my stuff back to me, hey, I'm a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And um, those were in the days when I thought, hey, a publisher wants me. Sure, he can have it. Not ever thinking, do I want that publisher? We mm-hmm. think so lowly of ourselves that we think if anybody wants us, then sure. And we need to we need to respect ourselves more and before we give everything away. And that's just another topic. But yeah. so I thought of myself as a writer. Then I was I performed my own stuff. I made my own demos, and the demos started getting some attention in the the in the clarity of the voice. So then I thought, well, you know, maybe I want to be a songwriter in someplace other than Farmington, Utah or at least be notable in some place other than Farmington. So I, I made trips to LA and Nashville. Wow. Got some attention, got really more attention in Nashville than in Utah. It's like a prophet in their own land, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I had uh, offers to be staff, a staff writer, but I would have to move to Nashville. Now it's changed now because of, uh, because of the internet yeah. and because of, you know, you can be somewhere else and work with someone somewhere else so easily. Mm. And, um, but in those days, we didn't have that. You needed to be in this physical space. Well, I had four little kids mm-hmm. and that wasn't going to happen. I mean, I had, I have, still have a, a remarkable husband. I'm, I can, I'm, that is not a blur. That is a full blessing. Yes. That, um, you know, he has supported me in going to do what I wanted to do artistically. 
And that is not everybody's reality. It certainly wasn't my mother's reality. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sensitive to the fact that not everybody has that. I happen to have it. Even with that, I just felt like I don't want to do that. I don't, I, I, I can't, first of all, my husband had a, the job that was paying the bills mm-hmm. here in Utah. We could not relocate to Nashville without there being some real changes. And mm-hmm. so that never became to me even something that we talked about as a family option. So I decided I was just going to write on my own here and I would send off my music to publishers. I have not, I have not since then been very good at that business end of things. Mm. You know, when I have had cuts by artists, it's been um, more fate and fortune than it has been my hard work in, in promoting my music. I am not a good promoter of my music as a songwriter. I'm a pretty good promoter of myself as a performer on in the local market. Yeah. I know I know my audience, I know how to access my audience and I can do you know, I can fill a hall for three or four nights. Yes. Uh, you know, for my Christmas show or something. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh the the bigger world I used to think, you know, maybe and I had a a promoter kind of look at me as an artist to, you know, to build and shape and mold and promote. And, you know, I just, in my gut said, I don't think that's going to go. And part of that, Monica, was my lack of confidence in my physical state. Hmm. But I, that's where that blurs comes back again, because I think, I don't think I would have been happy on that road. Yeah. I think I might have been satisfied in one little peg in the whole um, table of my self. You know, one little leg of that table might have been happy and the rest of it would have fallen over. And I, right now, because maybe I had to saw off all the legs to even it out because I didn't get to do that one thing we're pretty even we're pretty level and i'm pretty happy where i am it was made out of clay it was shaped like a heart and i love you was written inside but i fell after school and the gift broke apart so she gathered it up While I cried and I watched as my mother pieced it together Said she just might like it better this way Broken clouds give us rain Broken ground opens up and lets it in Broken seeds growing That we break and eat So much good Can be grown from What has been broken 
I'm glad I didn't pursue the bigger things um, because I'm quite satisfied where I am. I feel like I have still been able to touch lives, including my own, Mm -hmm. through what has been written and what I'm able to sing. And um, I have not compromised my family in the process. In fact, my kids have been empowered by their mom being a, a recording artist, singer, songwriter. They have learned to do things. They had to learn to do things because I was gone. You know, they cooked their own dinners. They did their own laundry. They had to motivate themselves to do their own homework more often than not because when I perform, it's usually in the evening and that's when they're home from school. Mm So it's amazing what kids can do when we actually expect them to do it. Yes. Or they have no clothes, you know. <laughs> you don't have clothes, it's not my fault. They'll have you know. to learn. Cool. Yeah. This is well, there's all sorts of stuff like that. Well, I think you need to write a book, one on creativity and the second one on mother motherhood and Aww. the third one, you know, there there's just so many things you could be like a, a real full book. I would buy them all on any of these topics. Corey, yeah, I, well, you have no bias. I, do. I don't think I do, though. I mean, you really are that remarkable. So, Corey, I've asked oh. a few of my other artists that I've had on the show what their gift has given them. And that's the last question I'd like to ask you today is what have your gifts, music, writing, given you? Oh, Oh, it has given me so much. It has, it is, it is like a child. And this child never leaves me. That I can wrap my arms around this child and pat its back and say, thank you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Over and over because it keeps giving to me. It gives to me that feeling of, you know, when you're, um, when you're feeding your baby, and you know you are satisfying this child, whether it's through you or whether it's, you know, through some other means and you're nurturing that child. Yeah. There's this great sense of personal satisfaction that comes. And when I feed that creative little girl in me that's the creative, I feel like I'm patting her back and I'm nurturing her and saying, I love you. I want you to be happy and satisfied and, Hmm. and, and, you know, allowing myself that, you know, permission to be messy, to be, um, to not know what I'm doing while I'm doing it is, uh, is like nurturing that child and saying, go ahead. It's okay. You can, you can do that. You can go ahead and eat and take care of yourself and, you know, nurturing that creative is that, like petting that baby in my mind. And so I never get old. I won't be an old, um, unfulfilled, crotchety old lady because I always have a baby. Mm-hmm. And that baby is, is my creative. And that baby is me. And, you know, and I think the creative in us is the part that is always potential like a baby is always potential the the, the baby is the hope in our lives and 
by having that creative and 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 nurturing her and acknowledging her i have endless hope i have endless potential um, i remember thinking that my mother never got old i was just going to because say that. she always allowed herself to learn and i one of the great gifts she gave me was showing me that she continually learned and I think learning is the creative in action. Beautiful. Because really, nothing is new. Mm. Everything is everything is just a rehashing of something. And that's, that's what true. creativity is, you know. Yeah. It's a new recipe of stuff. Yeah. So, I like looking at anyway. it that way. Well, speaking of what you've learned, um, I have a final, final question, <laughs> if I may. Um, I just want to know what the most like the the past few years have taught you about yourself as you've been saying like you're feeding yourself what have you learned about yourself just these past few years um i have learned that i am weird and i'm allowed to be weird and i and i don't want to be normal i i want to be accessible so we, we can't be too weird or we're unaccessible. Mm -hmm. But I have learned that it's the part of the beauty of me is the weirdness in me. And for so long, I tried to hide it. And and it's like, I'm hiding the most beautiful thing. It's like you have a, a, a a necklace and you put it under your shirt, you know, Mm -hmm. and when you pull it out and, and you let it be revealed, it's like, wow, that's super cool. You are super weird. I love that about you. (laughs) I, I mean, I'm talking to myself when I say that. So in the last few years, when I've had to redefine myself because my kids are gone, you know, I am older. I don't, you know, I don't know how much longer I'll be on a stage performing or how many, how much people will hire me in the future, you know, because I'm not the typical package of a a performer. Um, I, I have learned that it's okay. Whatever rolls out, it's okay. It's part of my life story, and I'm okay with it. And I'm allowed to take whoever I am into whatever next stage I go on, and it may be just a different stage of life as I move into, you know, my senior status. It's all okay. It's all part of. It's all rolling into who I am, which is who I was as I said earlier, and um, and just let go, like I had said earlier too, when we, when, we, when we don't have to micromanage every aspect of our lives because we want to become something amazing, and we just kind of let go and let inspiration lead us, we, we just find magic appearing. And so I expect that when I'm 80 years old, there will still be magic appearing it may have a different uh, set of slippers on, you know, but it will still be magic. Wow, Corey, this was such an honor to have you be a guest on my podcast. I'm so, so grateful for the influence you've had in my life and grateful that I've had this chance now to share it with more. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to be on my show. Oh, well, 
I am so honored, Monica. First of all, you are a treasure to me and always have been from the time you were little and watching you watching you swirl on that stage at the, at Weber State University in the Nutcracker and saying, <laughs> that's my girl. Yeah. That's my little girl <laughs> who turned into this beautiful, beautiful um, princess. And... And now, and then you just swirled off that stage and into brilliance and other facets of your life. Well, thanks again, Corey. I love you, Monica. I love you too. Isn't this woman such a gift? A gift to the world, yes, but also a gift to so many people who know her personally. And I am really honored that I was able to share Corey with you today. Again, make sure that you do go and listen to her music on Spotify and iTunes. She wasn't here to promote herself, but I'm going to promote her because she she and her music, uh, honestly, are life-changing. So um, just so you know that, you got to go check her out. This month, since we are doing Encore episodes, I've asked ended with a big favor. Instead of the progress pointers, which we're taking a break from this month, I'm just going to ask you to please support the show by doing two things. If you can leave a, a rating and review of the show, primarily on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are, it helps a tremendous amount. And the second thing you can do is share the show. I rely on you more than any marketing or anything I do on social media. I rely on you to keep the show going, but also to help it grow. And I would love more to be a part of this community. I'm grateful for who we are and what we have here. And I always can say, I would love more too. So if you can do that, share the show in person or text or email. If you do share on social media, tag me at About Progress because at the end of this month, I'm going to be getting back on social media and I will see you there. And speaking of which, the very next episode is the first episode of August. It's also going to be a whole month of new episodes, a new theme, which I am super pumped about. This break has been so restorative for me and exactly what I needed to get some clarity, both for myself and my personal life and my family, but also for this podcast. You were on my mind so much. It's kind of crazy. Um, and speaking of creativity, you know, Corey talked about other different kinds. I feel like that creativity comes for me with this podcast and in creating the courses. I, I'm actually um, going to give you a little sneak peek here. I'm working on a course for productivity right now. And I didn't expect that to be where I find that sense of creativity, but it's coming out so much. I feel like um, it's kind of become a conduit for me to tap into this creative side. I just wanted to reference that here because it can come up in so many unique ways and you are unique and I'm sure you're going to find your seeds of creativity, that sense of identity and the gifts that you have as you look for them. Thank you so much for listening, friends. This is where I'm going to leave you today. Keep growing and remember life is about progress, not perfection. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.